good evening. The House votes to hold Steve Bannon in contempt. Activists look to abortion alternatives as the threat to Roe intensifies. Dave Chappelle, what's so funny about anti-trans jokes? A new environmental initiative in New York and candidates for mayor spar on TV. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Thursday, October 21st, 2021. The House voted today to hold Steve Bannon, a longtime ally and aide to former President Donald Trump, in contempt of Congress for defying a subpoena from the committee investigating the violent January 6th insurrection. The committee's Democratic chairman, Mississippi Representative Benny Thompson, led the floor debate along with Republican Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, one of two Republicans on the panel. Still, the vote was 229 to 202, with all but nine GOP lawmakers voted who voted saying no the house vote sends the matter to the united states attorney's office in washington where it'll now be up to uh the, this, to the attorney general to decide whether the pre- he whether to present the case to a grand jury for possible criminal charges it's still uncertain whether they will pursue the case at a house hearing the attorney general merrick garland didn't have that much to say the house of representatives votes for referral of a contempt charge The Department of Justice will do what it always does in such circumstances. It will apply the facts and the law and make a decision consistent with the principles of prosecution. Former President Donald Trump wasn't as reserved. Banned from Twitter and Facebook, he released a statement today that was read by Democrat Jim McGovern. The statement says the insurrection took place on November 3rd, Election Day. January 6th was the protest, end quote. Let me just say that one more time. Trump said today in a statement, the insurrection took place on November 3rd, Election Day. January 6th was a protest. End of quote. Um, and by the way, he didn't mention that it was a violent uh, protest on, on January 6th. Mr. Speaker, are any, are any of my Republican colleagues, aside from Congresswoman Cheney and Representative Kinzinger, who have, had, who have shown courage and patriotism, are any of them willing to come to the floor and say unequivocally that the election on November 3rd was not an insurrection, as the former president uh, has now said? It was a free and fair election held by one of the oldest democracies in the world. And that used to mean something to my Republican friends. I mean, please, please, don't let this... The, the, former occupant of the White House is trying to tear this country apart. And unfortunately, too many on the other side are going along with them. Enough. House Majority Leader, pardon me, Democrat Bill Pascrell of New Jersey called the Trump allies out as criminals. We're dealing with common criminals. You see a guy running down the street in a city with a television on his back, strapped to it, You start to wonder. We have had enough of those incidents to indicate to us that's what we're dealing with. The gravest attack ever on the U.S. democracy came 288 days ago. It was born of lies. Steve Bannon spread those poisonous lies. And Bannon was guided by the dictator. We must pursue the truth. We go only where the facts take us. Refusing a subpoena is an obstructing justice. We don't allow the plaintiff, the prosecutor to decide. We decide it through the courts. 
If you can't take the Constitution, go to Russia. And House Majority Leader Denny Hoyer said January 6th was an attempt at mob rule by President Trump. My view is that man, Donald J. Trump, protests too much. Because I believe that he recruited, incited, and deployed an insurrectionist mob to threaten this institution, its members, its constitutional responsibility in the electoral process of the presidency of the United States and democracy itself. Well, New York's Hakeem Jeffries says Republicans who oppose the contempt citation against Bannon are derelict in their duty. Under the Constitution, to defend our democracy. And we should be doing that in a bipartisan way. But something has happened to the modern-day Republican Party. The party of Abraham Lincoln is gone. The party of Ronald Reagan is gone. The party of John McCain is gone. And a cult of personality has risen up to take its place. Is that why my colleagues refuse to denounce the former president's lie uttered today that the real insurrection was on November 3rd? Take back your party. You can start today. You can start right here. You can start by holding Steve Bannon accountable. Well, another Democrat, Steve Cohen, said Trump and his allies were con men pulling a grift on America. They won't question Trump's statement that the insurrection was November 3rd because that's the day each and every one of them and each and every one of us was elected. It was a free and fair election when it came to electing Congress people, but for some reason, president, they think it was an insurrection. Horse manure. Bannon, who was thumbing his nose at the Constitution and this Congress by not responding to the to his subpoena, said that it would be different on election day, January the, on January 6th. It wouldn't go as expected because he was part of plotting what was an overthrow of our government. He was pardoned by President Trump for ripping off Trump supporters. He got them to give money to an effort to build the wall, and he took over a million dollars for his own personal expenses. Fraud. Trump didn't care that he ripped off Trump people for a Trump wall. He pardoned him. The whole thing is a con game, and we need to end it before democracy goes out the window. And Representative Benny Thompson, Mississippi, and chair of the committees that's investigating the insurrection, says the insurrection was real and a serious threat to democracy. The select committee is charged with investigating a deadly attack on the seat of our democracy and making recommendations to ensure it never happens again. I can't think of anything more serious, but many of our colleagues would rather talk about anything else. I think I know why. I think they are performing for an audience of one. History will record all of what we do here today. We can be on the right side or the wrong side. I urge all my colleagues to remember that as we cast this vote, and Republican Liz Cheney of Wyoming, co-chair of the January 6th committee, says Republicans who refuse to hold Bannon and Trump accountable will be remembered for all the wrong reasons. History particularly will judge those of us in positions of public trust. 
for what we are doing today. In the immediate aftermath of the attack, Madam Speaker, we all recognized how profoundly wrong January 6th was. My colleague uh, from Ohio, Mr. Jordan, uh, who just suggested that um, we were here because we opposed President Trump's policies, seems to have forgotten that actually on January 6th, he himself said, quote, what happened today is wrong and is not what America is about. My colleagues in the Republican Party, the Republican members of this body, have to understand, have to recognize that there's a moment when politics must stop if we want to defend and protect our institutions. The president bears responsibility. We need to know what happened. This body must have the, the ability to understand what caused the attack, to understand who was responsible, and to take legislative action to ensure that it never happens again. During the hour-long debate, Republicans refused to even acknowledge the Democrats' subpoena. Every GOP representative instead demanded passage of another bill, saying Democrats are violating privacy rights by a measure in their Build Back Better agenda that doubles the number of IRS agents and would demand records of transactions, banking transactions, as low as $600 for tax purposes. Republican Drew Ferguson of Georgia. That the Democrats have put out claims to only go after wealthy tax cheats. But at its core, this is going to target every single farmer, every single family, every single gig worker, every small business owner, and just about anyone that pays rent or pays a mortgage. And their bogus attempts to scale it back are meaningless. And GOP Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy called the subpoena a farce. No, they're issuing an invalid subpoena. Um, issuing an invalid subpoena weakens our power, not if somebody votes against it. He has the right to go to the court to see if he has executive privilege or not. I don't know if he does or not, but neither does the committee. Um, so they're weakening the power of Congress itself by issuing invalid subpoena. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the Constitution hangs in the balance. The genius of our Constitution and of our founders was the separation of power, checks and balances. If, in fact, you want to negate the ability of one check of another branch of government over another, then you are undermining the Constitution. So this goes beyond Bannon in terms of its, its, its um, importance. And you would think that if they take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution, they would vote for the system of checks and balances. And there's still considerable uncertainty about whether the Department of Justice will pursue the charges despite Democratic demands for action. It's a decision that will determine not only the effectiveness of the House investigation, but also the strength of Congress's power to call witnesses and demand information. The stakes are enormous, said Maryland Representative Jamie Raskin. What the investigation is about is how was this planned? How was it organized? How was it funded? How were the different elements coordinated? And what was the synchronization between the political coup that was targeting Vice President Pence, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, to try to force him to return electoral college votes to the states? How was that synchronized with the violence that was unleashed against us on that day? We're trying to reconstruct this whole pattern of events. If the Justice Department doesn't prosecute, the House has other options, including a civil lawsuit. That could also take years, but would force Bannon and any other witnesses to defend themselves in court. 
And in more national news, Texas on Thursday, that's today, urged the Supreme Court to leave in place its law banning most abortions and told the justices there's no reason to rush into the case. The state filed its response today to the Biden administration's call on the high court to block the law, the most restrictive abortion curb in the nation, and rule conclusively this term on the measure's constitutionality. The court's intervention at this early stage before a federal appeals court has ruled on the law would be highly unusual but not unprecedented. The Biden administration argues the law is clearly unconstitutional because it bans abortions in roughly six weeks long before a fetus can survive outside the womb. But some pro-choice activists aren't waiting for the Supreme Court to decide the fate of the right to abortion in Texas, especially with similar laws being introduced in states across the nation. The co-founder and executive director of the direct action group ReproAction is Aaron Matson. Administration woke up and it, they came late to the party. I want to be clear about that. But they woke up once the Texas ban went into effect. And the Justice Department's approach on contesting the law is absolutely correct, that we shouldn't simply stop on a procedural hurdle that this law depends on bounty hunters and versus enforcement by the state. And it's saying this is a federally unconstitutional law and it needs to be you said direct action. Your group is uh, dedicated to direct action. Do you obviously that means that it's not enough to wait for the courts to decide? And the courts were never going to save us. The fact of the matter is that 2021 has been the worst year on record for abortion restrictions in the United States. More than 100 enacted into law. In September, we hosted a self-managed abortion with Pills Teachin outside the Supreme Court, where on a bullhorn, I was sharing before more than 50 people the World Health Organization protocol for how to use abortion pills on one's own to safely and effectively end a pregnancy. What should the rest of us who aren't lawyers or justices on any court who are moved by this and want to do something about it, what should we be doing? First and foremost, for the people in Texas, the most important thing is to donate to Texas abortion funds who are helping people find the care that they need. There is a reproductive health access crisis in Texas. Number two is to keep the pressure up in public. The fact of the matter is that the Supreme Court, a variety of justices from different political persuasions, have expressed concern about the public appearance of legitimacy of the court. That's the best thing we've got to hold on to now that there's a 6-3 majority opposed to abortion rights. And third is to be vocal in support of abortion rights. Everyone loves someone who had an abortion. To win this fight long term, we need to get louder and prouder about our support of abortion rights. You mentioned the pills. Uh, you need a prescription for them. So you're saying go around the prescription process? Yeah, there are a variety of ways that people are self-sourcing pills. There's a group called Aid Access, which is founded by Dr. Rebecca Gompertz who's been providing abortion pills overseas in severely restricted countries. Now she's doing that here in the United States. And so people will go to aid access and their medical team will help them navigate state laws and they will mail them in many cases, abortion pills that they would use on their own outside of the medical system. That's one way that people are self-sourcing pills. The fact of the matter is, is that self-managed abortion is not new. There have been for centuries, people have safely and effectively ended their own pregnancies. What's different now with as we look at a future without the constitutional right to the to abortion or a Supreme Court that overturned Roe v. Wade, the primary threat is now legal and not medical. It before nineteen seventy three in that Roe v. Wade decision, the primary threat was medical and kind of the back alley. That's no longer the case. We have abortion pills that are safe and effective with more than a twenty year effective FDA track record. Bounty hunters come after people, what should people do? That's absolutely horrific. I mean, it really 
at this point, what should people do? People should take care, in particular, if people are looking to self-manage an abortion, or that they should take care and cover their digital tracks, and they should be extremely mindful. There's a group called If When How that serves a repro legal help line that helps people think through the legal questions of self-managing an abortion. The fact of the matter is no one should be encountering an anti-abortion bounty hunter, and we've got to get this entire horrific, hateful regime struck down. And that's Aaron Matson, co-founder and executive director of the direct action group Repro Action. The Texas law was written to evade early federal court review, and mostly the effort has succeeded. Clinics say abortions are down by about 80 percent since the law took effect last month, and women in Texas have flocked to clinics in other states to obtain abortions. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Netflix employees and trans activists banded together outside the company's Hollywood office to protest Dave Chappelle's to protest Dave Chappelle's controversial stand-up special, The Closer, on Wednesday. Since the release of the special on October 5th, the streaming giant has received widespread criticism for Chappelle's negative comments on the transgender community. They started calling her a turf. I didn't even know what that was, but I know that. Trans people make up words to win arguments. TERF is an acronym. Stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. This is a real thing. Now, I shouldn't speak on this. Because I am not a woman. Nor am I a trans. But as we've established, I am a feminist. I'm Team TERF. I agree, man. Gender is a fact. You have to look at it from a woman's perspective. And that's Dave Chappelle. Turf, as he said, means trans-exclusionary radical feminists. Netflix has defended the comedian and stated that the show would not be removed from the platform. Protesters held signs bearing messages that read hate flicks or transphobia is not a joke. It's a good opportunity to start having conversations around what repair looks like. I think that the first step is to create tangible steps that lead toward the objectives that we're trying to achieve. So while we appreciate the acknowledgement of the screw up in his own words, we want to actually talk about what that repair looks like. What are the steps that Netflix is willing to take to be able to make that happen? And today we're going to be more detailed about um, how we're going to see that come to fruition should they to show up and fulfill that um, demand. Uh, meanwhile, a group of counter protesters chanted, We can take, we can, we can like jokes and held signs about freedom of speech. I'm here because I want to show people that not everybody believes that you should cancel an artist for saying ideas that you don't agree with. It's a very small minority of people in the world that think that what Dave Chappelle said is hate speech. It's not hate speech. And there was a debate of sorts between a couple of the people outside. If you've been around a long time, you should know how important expression is and how important it is to protect it. Not throw around words like hate speech, toss people into concrete like a monster. Hate speech is Like a monster making up lies, the devil coming out of your mouth in those lies. Hate speech is not funny. I agree. But hate speech would be But Dave Chappelle is funny. Yeah, Dave Chappelle is funny. We like Dave. We like Dave. We like Dave. A virtual employee walkout was also planned on the day of the rally. In this complicated era, some feminists support Chappelle's views, claiming gender is permanent, while others are welcoming to uh, those who say gender is more fluid.
And closer to home, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced today that New York City public pension funds will commit $50 billion to renewable energy. And now New York City becomes the first in the nation to commit to net zero emissions in our pension fund investments. Net zero emissions by 2040. This is revolutionary, and it's an example to cities, states, counties, unions, nations, you name it, how to invest your money in a way that protects the earth. This is a very big deal. And with the money we took away from fossil fuel investments and other funds, we're focusing on the future, the renewable resources, renewable energy we need. So we're committing to a $50 billion investment. This is something I said we would do in the state of the city. We've achieved it. And the mayor's plan would involve an $8 billion investment in Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal agenda, detailing their commitment of the Big Apple's pension investments to climate-friendly companies. AOC was with the mayor today. One of the exciting things about the impact of, of intro introducing the Green New Deal resolution was its adoption at city, state, and municipal levels across the country. New York City, Austin, Texas, Los Angeles, the state of Maine, as well as many other areas have either uh, have either brought a Green New Deal resolution to a vote or have passed it outright. And what today's announcement um, really indicates is a next level in our ability to combat the climate crisis. And that is essentially a full divestment from fossil fuels from our public pension funds. And the blueprint includes a goal to double investments in renewable energy and green real estate to over $8 billion by 2025 and invest more than $37 billion in climate solutions investments by 2035. That's according to the mayor's office. And last night, candidates for mayor, Democrat Eric Adams and Republican Curtis Sliwa, had a debate that at times resembled a clown show, although a few substantive issues were addressed. I've been shot, stabbed, beaten in order right. to provide. So we need to wrap you up. I'll give you a few seconds, parts. Mr. Adams, if you want to respond to that. Listen, uh, Mr. Sliwa acknowledged himself that he made up crimes, New Yorkers. That is a crime. And when he was playing cop, I was on the subway system, right in that system during the mid 80s when crime was high, a radio that didn't work, and I protected the children right, and families. We, we may I did apologize for it. I brought it to everybody's attention, and I'll continue to apologize for it. But I've earned the trust of New Yorkers. Just follow me in the streets and subways. I'm there. I'm the people's choice. Eric Adams is with the elites in the suites, the TikTok girls, trying to sort of live up to the Kardashians at Club Zero Bond. Come on, Eric. Come back. Come back to the streets and the subways. Just a quick, Be with the real peeps. A quick follow-up. So once this city embraced new business and allowed us to be the center of cyber security, biotech, the center of technology, the center of drone development, that is when we will attract businesses to come here again. And right now, we are an unfriendly city to businesses in this city. There's no way to force them to come back to work. Imagine they're going to take one third less pay. We have to look at millions of square feet that are empty, commercial space. And we're going to have to start repurposing it for affordable housing. And the 2021 New York City mayoral election is scheduled for November 2nd, 2021. New York residents will vote on a candidate to replace incumbent Mayor Bill de Blasio when his term ends on December 31st. And 
And that's some of the news for Thursday, October 21st, 2021. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Reggie Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.